Hello, today I sit down with Mel Wells and Rick William, this stunningly beautiful couple who just finished a retreat at Sultara Healing Center. So today we go into the profound ayahuasca ceremonies that they had here and realizations. We talk about some of their expat adventures in entrepreneurship and much more. These two are incredible people, such lovely hearts and such beautiful light and bright energy. So I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. If you're interested in plant medicines or ayahuasca, expat living or international living, or entrepreneurship, this episode's for you. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, my friends, my friends, uh, Melissa Wells and Rick William, welcome to the show. Um, Melissa Wells is a certified eating psychology coach, health coach, life coach, sex, love, and relationships coach, specializing in women's sexuality. Now, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this stuff. Melissa is the author of Hungry for More, a must-read Bible for all women seeking more connection and consciousness around their eating and their life. Very cool. And The Goddess Revolution... Uh, make peace with food, love your body, and reclaim your life. So a lot of uh, interesting uh, food themes there. Can't wait to dig into that. Your podcast, which is popular, my sister listens to you. My sister, Catherine, she's very excited to hear that you're, that you're coming on. Love, Sex, and Magic uh, is a show for people who believe they can have it all and know they deserve it relationships that are healthy and passionate, careers that are successful and fulfilling, and a life filled with meaning, purpose, and magic. Sounds amazing. We have uh, Mr. Rick William here. Rick William, correct? Yeah. Okay. Um, Rick is a trauma-informed coach helping leading men find their true passion, purpose, and power. Uh, Rick was a traveling filmmaker and had already embarked on his personal spiritual journey growing up in Newcastle with the loves of his life being bodybuilding and business. Um, I just have some notes here. One thing that caught my eye, 2009, living with a death metal band and uh, had your spiritual awakening with the death metal band. Well, pretty much. (laughs) That's cool. Uh, Jesse and I play a little bit of music, uh, had some life-changing psychedelic experiences we can talk about. Melissa and Rick just finished a week at uh, Soltara Healing Center here in Costa Rica, which is where we are right now. And, uh, you know, we can dig into that. But just before we do, I have to ask you, since Jesse's over here recording us, uh, how was the food at Sultara? Incredible. Yeah, Jesse's food is, yeah, it's beautiful. Absolutely Favorite time beautiful. of the day was like mealtime. We were like the first ones in the restaurant, ready to go. Like, what are we having today? We keep asking him when the recipe book's coming. Ooh, yeah, that's good. Keep the pressure on. <laughs> um, and you guys are ready for some some coffee after the week? I am. You're not really into coffee that much, right? I'm, co- I'm coffee free now. Coffee free. I, I love coffee. <laughs> cool. So, um, so how was your Soltar experience? How was the whole week? How much of it do you want to actually talk about and share? Yeah, no, we can we can talk about it. The, uh, oh, it was really powerful. 
the, the center that you guys have put together is really something, yeah. really something. I think, especially for, I think, Western people, which we are, <laughs> coming into a place like Soltara, it's just really set up and it feels really safe to go on such a, an inward journey. And just mm. from arriving, the staff were just so supportive of us and we got settled into just absolutely beautiful accommodation. And yeah, we felt right at home. Mm. Yeah, it was such a beautiful week. Um, I felt so relaxed, even though obviously we're going through challenging journeys and having doing deep work and having really intense ceremonies. The rest of the time, we were so grateful to have that relaxing space, beautiful room, great pool. Like it just really felt like we were on retreat rather than like this is a grueling week of, you know, obviously the, the ceremony was the ceremonies were hard, but like being in such a beautiful space and having that comfort just makes all the difference. Right. A nice, a nice soft bed to go and lay in after the ceremony. That bed. <laughs> so comfy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and you two, uh, as we were talking about before you stayed in the canopy suite, which is our new suite. We just commissioned them actually two weeks ago or three weeks ago. We didn't actually have people in those rooms beforehand, but you know, I'm, I have a little extra pride in those suites because I like, I picked them out and I like, I really wanted to create that effect, that like experience of just being kind of feeling like you're royalty in the, you know, with the view, you're up in the trees. Mm, we definitely feel that. And we, we have like an in joke that we say to each other is that we, we love living in the jungle, but jungle luxury, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we're into jungle luxury. So it was right up our street, especially I love the balcony, like, I found like a couple hours in the afternoon to sit out on the balcony and um, just write up some notes for my next book when I was feeling inspired. And it was just such a perfect spot for that. Mm. And every morning I was out there meditating and just, you got the view of the jungle, you've got the ocean in the distance. It's just, yeah, it's like, it's jungle luxury. Mm. It's jungle luxury. Yeah. Great. Um, did you manage to get some yoga done out there in the deck? Yeah, we did. We got some yoga done with the amazing uh, instructor. She was, yeah, I mean, the classes were at like 7am most days. So for coming straight out of ceremony, it was hard to make those classes. <laughs> but there was like one day where there was a class where we hadn't had a ceremony the night before. So I did that and it was amazing. So um, how were your ceremonies? Yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> they were super. The last ceremony for me was my most challenging experience I've ever had in my life. Really, really, really challenging. Um, and I've had experiences where I've, my ego's died. I've had experiences where I felt like my body's died. But I think my greater fear was actually confronted on that last evening, um, which is the fear of loneliness. And the fear of losing my mind and, and not being in control, which strangely is actually greater than my fear of dying. It's almost like the, you know, my fear of... Fear of suffering. Fear yeah. of suffering, yeah. And it, it really, really, really put me through that and felt like I was in hell, you know. And, and from that, though, it's like, it felt like it went on for eternity. And I, I, I played out every route that I could take in my life, like every option. And I went down every like every avenue that didn't work until eventually I found the, the, the root of the path that works. And 
ultimately it was the path of love. It was like the path of listening to my heart and following in that direction. But it took me a long time. It took me a long time to get there. Um, and it was filled with so much joy and bliss and I encountered, you know, spirit animals came to me. I, I went into other worlds and I had an, an amazing time as well, but it was also just the most challenging experience of my life. And, um, I didn't know how I was going to process that and the facilitators and just everyone else that really helped me put it back together. And the last, yeah, the last 24 hours have just been just new insights coming through from, from what that experience was. And I'm really excited to see how that unfolds into my life and how that freedom of having confronted that fear, it feels like when that happens in a medicine journey, it feels like, like, like I run from these fears either consciously or unconsciously in my life. And it feels like from going into it and really experiencing it, like really being with that suffering and being with that pain as horrible and as challenging as that is in the moment. It feels like from that, it's like something cracks, something opens. And through the re-experiencing of it with the guidance of the medicine, it's like I can feel how that can expand out into my life. It's almost like there's a freedom from having gone into it and kind of cracked that egg open a little bit. Hmm. Almost like a rite of passage. It felt very much like a rite of passage. Yeah. And I feel like I've had rites of passage with medicine before, but this was, this was the ultimate, the ultimate vision quest. (laughs) This was the, yeah, it was, oh man. Yeah. And some of those, when they're, when they go really deep like that, it can feel like just forever. Yeah. When you're in there trying to get to the other end of that, yeah, yeah, it felt like eternity. And in my head, I got myself caught in this loop. And I was like, I was like, I'm gonna have to go into a mental hospital. I'm like, I broke my brain. And I just kept saying that on a loop. And I had to internally resource my own self love, my own power. And for whatever reason, this journey, I've often in, in other medicine journeys, I've often relied on the the maestros of the healers of the shamans and the facilitators, but in this journey, I really had to self-resource because nothing they would do would actually help in this situation. And it's not that they weren't helping, but for me, this was a part of my process and I had to cultivate it within as opposed to relying on external resources to get me back there. And that was, that was a part of my That's huge. Yeah. That's huge to actually recognize the development of those tools in the, in the moment. And now you can, you can engage that like in life, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Cause it's like so often, almost again, unconsciously, I, I, I resource so much from others. I resource my strength. I resource just other things from other people, but finding that power within myself feels yeah, so freeing, very liberating. Very nice, man. Glad to hear. How'd Melissa go? Yeah, mine. So my medicine, my relationship with the medicine is very different to Rick's. Um, I have kind of struggled. This this is like my, these, these ceremonies of like my 10th, no, 7th to 10th ceremonies or 7th to 11th ceremonies. Ayahuasca ceremony. Yeah, ayahuasca ceremonies. First with the Shipibo uh, tradition. And so... Um, the first couple of ceremonies for me were similar to my previous ones in that I I have this recurring experience where like, I feel like nothing happens. I feel like I'm confused and just in this soup. 
and like nothing is I'm not getting the downloads I'm not getting the breakthroughs I'm not like talking to the medicine I'm having this experience where like she's not wanting to talk to me or like she's not wanting to connect a little bit frustrating then yeah like for me my very first four ceremonies uh, last year the whole experience I felt like I felt like I was falling behind I felt like I was left out of the group I felt like I wasn't getting it and it was really hard for me it was really really hard and um that was healing that was healing in itself like that was that the challenge of that was so difficult for me because I'm used to like being at the top of the class and like achieving and you know being good at everything that I you know try and do and I was like why am I getting it wrong I feel like I'm failing and it was really hard for me and so this week at Saltara was really big for me because I feel like I really broke through to a new level of connection with the medicine. Um, the first two ceremonies were were hard because I felt like I was just in this drunkenness all night and without like a clear journey. But the third and the fourth ceremony were really deep and really big for me. And I felt like I was able to really connect and hear the medicine and really be taken on this journey with her, which was very gentle, very loving, and just, it was, she was like showing me things and giving me messages in very subtle ways. So, um, you know, Rick always has like these huge experiences with the medicine that, you know, deeply profound and goes to hell and back <laughs> in one night. But every single ceremony, I feel like you, you have this experience. Um, but for me, I'm really accepting my plant medicine journey is so different to his instead of comparing the two. Because at the start, I was like, why am I not having the same experiences as you? Like, I want to have these huge, huge um, experiences. But I've really come to a place of acceptance of my relationship with the medicine is so different. And she's just gently guiding me to things. And there was there was some experiences this week where I did feel like I'm in this weird, like wonky, witchy dark world and it's like I'm on this roller coaster that feels like uncomfortable I never felt like it was like I, I didn't feel like I was going into my personal darkness on like a real personal level um but I did feel like she was just delivering me these like subtle messages but it was like I was guiding the experience so I was saying like oh, I want to connect more with the spirit of my dad or oh, I want to ask this question about my relationship and I want to ask this question about my future. And she would just give me like little nuggets, like little mm. drops. So um, I feel really happy with, with my journey this week because I feel like I've just like broken through to a new level of connection with ayahuasca. That's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So you mentioned that you had uh, done uh, ceremonies beforehand. Yeah. In Costa Rica or in in, in Costa Rica, okay. yeah, yeah. So we've done we've worked with the Colombian tradition before, and then we spent a week last year at Rhythmia, which was just like a bit of a mix of lots of different medicines. Um, yeah, yeah. I've yeah, I've just, I've just been on some more ceremonies with the Colombian tradition, the Taito Bonito. Oh, okay, um, okay. And they've been really, really powerful for me too. Um, yeah, it was it was so different. The, the two traditions, um, like the way they operate and the way the medicine works within them, feels so different. And it was mm. it was really nice. This felt to me more like an internal experience. Yeah. Whereas the the Colombian tradition kind of feels like a celebration, and it lasts a lot longer. And it's working with a slightly different medicine with yahe. Mm -hmm. um, 
but yeah, it was, it was beautiful contrast and I got mm -hmm. completely different lessons and a completely different way of working with myself with the medicine. It was, uh, and the healers, like I, I really appreciated how you're kind of left to your own devices at the ceremony. Like it's like you, that, that might not be what some people want, but for me, like I, I'm having my own experience and I don't want to be like pulled out of it and told now you have to share with the group. Right. Now we're all going to hug each other. Now we're going to do this. I quite liked that it was like, go back to your room whenever you are ready and take as long as you need and just sort yourself out. Because I, when I'm in that space, I don't want to be told what to do. I just want to, you know, lay there as long as I need to be in my own space, in my own bubble, and then come around in my own time. But yeah, the Icaros were so beautiful. I felt like the healers were so powerful, but in such a subtle way, in such like a soft way i feel like the whole energy of the retreat this week was very feminine and very like just very soft but precise mm -hmm. awesome yeah that's a good observation um i'm the exact same way um i've worked with a few different traditions as well and um yeah like for example uh i was living down in Brazil, working with the, the Santo Daime mm. and their ceremonial structure is very engaged. Mm. Like you are dancing. They, they want you to oh, yeah. dance. They want you yeah. to sing like they, like the lights are on and you're supposed to be like in the mix. And I'm like, no, man, <laughs> I want to lay down in the dark and just go yeah. on my own introspective journey. Like totally. Um, so one thing that we that's kind of unique uh, to Soltara is the integration workbook and the program stuff like that. What was your experience with with that? Did you go through the the exercises and yeah, more I or mean, less? I loved that, and I was really looking forward to that because I, I mean we're both really passionate about the hero's journey. But I'm actually writing my next book based on that. So for women. So um, I was really excited to get into that. And yeah, we've been using the, the journals and doing the exercises. I think it's so, it's so important for people because, you know, we've, we've had some of the most amazing breakthroughs and healings from medicine after we get back that we're not even aware of during the week or during the ceremony. But after we get back into our home, into our space, we realize that we're experiencing these shifts. And so the integration is such a huge part of the whole journey. Um, so what are you, what are you taking with you this time around to go back and integrate? What do you think you're going to encounter over the next weeks and, and months after, after this journey? Mm, that's a great question. And, and just to touch on the integration piece as well, like, I think there are so many centers out there that people have the opportunity to go to. Um, but without that framework, especially if you're in a place where, you know, they don't have that structure for you and you maybe don't have the support in your life to help facilitate the changes that are coming in. I think that support both internally during the experience, but I also know you have a support team here as well that follows up with people and they have the opportunity to effectively work with psychologists and coaches to, to help really help them through it. I think that is huge and, and, and so, so important because Otherwise, you can come here, have an experience, you go back into your old environment and you're not going to be able to necessarily have the support you need in order to integrate those lessons. So 
it was amazing to see that you guys have have put that together with such thought as well. Like you've resourced lots of other experts and lots of other thought processes all into one book. So it's literally, it's all there for mm. for us to go through. And it was really powerful for me too, even though I know some of these work, I know some of this work, I know some of this teaching, just to have that there for me was was really great. Do you guys think it's going to be helpful for your own kind of coaching practices to uh, uh, working with plant medicines and like the integration process? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I feel really lucky that we are, you know, we're on this journey together as a couple and we're both kind of used to evolving at a rapid pace. And we moved to Costa Rica after we got a message from the medicine. So we're quite good at like, okay, this is the message. Let's go. <laughs> like this is the, this is the transformation that needs to happen. This is where we're heading next. Let's do it. So we're quite good at like moving and evolving fast when we need to. Um, but yeah, for sure. Like both of our communities are really interested in plant medicine more. So we're really, really excited to share more with them. And, um, especially for people that are, you know, a bit nervous to have their first journey and where do I go? How does it look? Like, what do, what do, what do I expect? Um, especially, you know, you're working a lot with trauma healing in men, um, you know, and, and I think for my work with women and relationships and sexuality, it's, it's so powerful. It's so healing. So we are very excited to share this with our tribes and get the message out. And I think it's also important for me to share my, cause I think there's, there's so much out there that you can look at with ayahuasca, like so much on YouTube, so many documentaries to watch. But I think I'm really feel called to share my journey of how it was hard for, even though I'm someone that has done like lots of work on myself over the years, like consider myself to be someone that has a very good spiritual connection. I found it hard to connect with the medicine at first. And it was taking me a while to like, feel like I was really breaking through. And when we were with this group, this week, I realized that, oh, it's not just me that has that experience. It's actually a more common experience than, than is talked about online. So I think it's important to share that it's not just these like heaven and hell, death and rebirth experiences. Sometimes it can feel frustrating. Sometimes it can feel like a, a block. And I want to share that as well, because I, I want people to realize that it's just a huge spectrum. Yeah. Some, some of the lesser, um, uh, sensational stories aren't very good for journalism, right? Uh, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but they're more common than than uh, than people might think. Um, so you're going to start engaging more with your communities around the the plant medicine space. Absolutely, yeah. Um, that was one of my reasons for wanting to come down here. I get asked a lot, um, both by clients and people online, like, "Why, why should I go?" And I never want to advise someone to do anything that I haven't tried myself. So that was one of my reasons to want to come down here to find a place where I would feel safe to recommend my clients to go. And I can honestly say, you know, now live on air that I would feel really safe recommending my clients to come down here. And those people who reach out to me as well, it's like everything here is done with such integrity and mm. it's a very safe place. Um, so yeah, that was that was that was one of my reasons to come down here. Really, um, thank you so much, man. That that really that means a lot. I appreciate yeah. it. 
Yeah, and we're just really excited for plant medicine to become more of like a mainstream conversation in the personal development and spiritual communities, you know, especially now it's becoming legalized in different places in the States. And we really feel like this is just the start of like a huge revolution with plant medicine and healing. And we're really excited to be a part of a part of that and communicating it with the masses. I think like a few years ago, I was a little scared to talk about this stuff because it was, you know, people have different um, reservations about it and they put it in the same conversation as drugs. And I was like, oh my God, my I'm going to feel this like uh, this judgment from people and I'm not sure if I want to share it. And now I'm just like, I really get it. And I feel like my audience really get it and they're ready for, I feel like the, the world has really evolved in the last few years towards this this stuff and I feel like people are really hungry for it especially like we look around at the the state of the world right now and we everyone can see we need healing like Mm -hmm. we need help so I think people are really open to you know working with these healers from different completely different worlds and being open to the 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 um the fact that they have the answers that we in the western world don't have or haven't been able to get to or have so, forgotten. Or have forgotten, exactly. Yeah. yeah. A lot of it is just that simple connection to nature and having that emotional attachment to the natural world, right? Mm. It's a lot of Completely. the damage we've done is because of that separation. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I wanted to also... you. You mentioned your book twice. Sarah. I want to uh, I want to talk about your books and your and uh, and your new book and your kind of your writing process. You guys also mentioned the kind of the different work that you do. I'd like you to to share about uh, some of the work that you do, and also you know, of course, the fact that you're down here living in Costa Rica as expats. You know, the show is kind of about plant medicines, entrepreneurship, and expat living. So. Here, here you are, two entrepreneurial expats who are enthusiastic about plant medicine. So, <laughs> um, so you guys, you want to talk about your book first or your work first or Costa Rica first? So, um, yeah, the book that I'm writing is, this is the first time that I've really spoken about it on a podcast. It's not due out until 2022, but it's been such a labor of love <laughs> and such an ongoing project that is just, I feel as though I've had to really live it and grow into it before it's been ready to um, come out. Whereas my my last two books I wrote fairly quick. Um, so it's a book about the hero's journey, but from a feminine perspective. Um, so it's a book, it's going to be called The Shiro's Journey. And Interesting. Yeah. And so it follows the a similar path as... Um, Joseph Campbell's work, but it's more um, from a woman's perspective in the world and the different dragons that the woman has to slay and the different archetypes. Like I really love Jungian archetypes. And so it's like a journey through the different archetypes that we meet along our journey through life. And yeah, it's, um, it's an inward journey of integration and wholeness, I would say. So yeah. And I'm also like some of the work that I'm doing with my clients is about like masculine and feminine polarity work. I find that I, uh, in the entrepreneurial space, there's um, a lot of pressure on women to perform and succeed and do everything in a very masculine way. 
And a lot of the clients that I'm working with now are really looking for that reconnection and that reclamation of the divine feminine and looking to run their businesses and be in their leadership in a different way mm. than the than the masculine way, you know, a really embodied, um, sensual uh, way of, of being in, in almost in like a queen energy rather than um, this kind of entrepreneurial, like hustle, hustle, like keep going, never stop way, which I think burns us out. And especially for women, we have to put our bodies first. You know, our bodies go through these amazing cycles every month and we have to honor the seasons that we're in. So it is different for a woman. We have a very different journey through life. Um, and yeah, that's that's what the book's about. That's really amazing. It sounds awesome. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be really helpful. I can tell you my sister, Catherine, will definitely be interested in that one. Awesome. Um, it's interesting to, to uh, mention that as well. Just, you know, just even looking inward here, um, the, the kind of masculine and feminine aspects of our company. And, you know, when you get in these kind of tense leadership situations, you can really see the differences between a, 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 a feminine approach to solving problems and a, you know, masculine approach to solving problems, which is the kind of the you know, brute force or hustle, hustle, or just, you know, kind of, um, so (laughs) yeah, I mean, yeah, sometimes, sometimes I'm a little heavy on the heavy handed on the masculine side of things. And, and, uh, I can see how more of a, uh, feminine touch would be, would be beneficial. So probably good things for everybody to learn, not just, not just for the woman on her hero's journey, but even, bringing that into um, everybody's leadership decisions and possibly being a little more embodied, a little more. Yeah, just a little more integrated with with both sides because you're right, it's been very um, repressed in in men as well, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So what about the the writing process? So this is your, this is your third book and... Uh, you mentioned earlier that you are actually one of those soldiers who goes out and writes your own work. <laughs> <laughs> I I would feel betrayal to myself if I had if I didn't do that. Just because like writing for me is um, has always been like a, a passion of mine and a it's something that I love to do even at school. Like I I wrote essays for fun. Like extra essays was like it's like my favorite kind of homework. So um, just for me, like I need to write my own book. I obviously work with different editors at my publishing house and they tidy things up for me and make sure I'm not repeating myself or, you know, talking about stuff that's irrelevant or going on tangents that make no sense. Um, but yeah, for me, like writing is, if I could just write and that was like all I did, I would be so happy. Mm. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's at least part of what you do. So yeah. that's, that's a good thing. It's a big definitely. part of what you do. It's definitely harder I would say the hardest thing about writing a book is the discipline to sit down and write, especially when you have a company that you run that brings in different revenue streams and you've got different clients that you're looking after and different programs and different, like a team to run. There's a lot more uh, pressing matters on your hand every week. So it can be really challenging to be like, I've got to get the time in to write the book. Got to get the time in to write the book. Um, so that, that's definitely the hardest, the hardest piece. So how 
much time like what like what is your program are by the way are you a Stephen Pressfield fan have you read I the love one? Stephen Pressfield yes <laughs> most authors most uh, most authors do um, yeah because we all fight with the same battles but um so you're like you're disciplined you you sit down every day do you sit down in the morning or do you sit down in the evening or or, or what does your kind of writing discipline look like it's a little bit all over the place, to be honest. I like to write in the mornings the most. Um, I have to like square out time, like square off time in my calendar. And it's just writing and my phone goes away and I turn off the Wi-Fi and that's all I do. Um, but a lot of my writing process happens when I'm not necessarily at my laptop. I'm like, researching or reading or like listening to different podcasts and just kind of putting pieces of a jigsaw puzzle together in my mind. So that that's like a big part of my process as well. Um, but no, I don't have like a, a set amount of time every day I must do. I really love to write when I feel inspired to write instead of like just bash through it. Um, which I know Stephen Pressfield just says, no, like, do you just have to overcome resistance every day? I do not overcome resistance every day. I wish that I did. Um, but I really, I, I really love the pleasure of writing. And if I feel like I'm just bashing words out, then inevitably I will return to those words in a month or two and be like, I hate this. This right. is going in the bin. This is rubbish. I'm starting again. Well, I guess the key is like, as long as you're writing enough, so you can write when you get inspired, as long as you get inspired enough. The problem right. is when you get inspired once a month, yeah. you know, or you're making excuses <laughs> to write, like, I'm not going to write because I'm not inspired, you know, but you seem like someone who often gets inspired. So yeah, I think like the biggest, the biggest thing that I have learned is so, so important is an outline. Like you really need like a strong outline that you follow. So um, the way that I've done all of my books so far is I've created the book proposal and sold the book first before I've written it. Wow. So I've like got the book deal, like got a deadline. So then the publisher, I, I know when the book is due in. So then I have the outline, I have the deadline and it's like go time. Otherwise I'm just like writing and I have no... <laughs> no like structure or so again it's like you need the masculine structure of the outline so that you can flow in the feminine and like be guided and be inspired but know that you have the structure you have the deadline awesome do you want to break out and do some descriptions about your work and and what you guys what you guys do for yeah yeah so it links into this whole conversation about masculinity and femininity, really, my work. Um, and I found myself in my early 20s, I was running a business and I was hustling, you know, like 12, 14 hour days, seven days a week nearly. And just so focused on creating business and creating money and creating freedom in my life. Um, but there become a point where that, that, was, that was stuck and I was bodybuilding at the time. And I was my energy was out of balance. I was too in my masculine. And I started learning about different practices. I started, uh, well, I drank the medicine. <laughs> and, uh, and it guided me to say that I need to, I need to soften. I need to get in touch with my own creativity. And that led me on a journey, which actually took me too far the other way. I went too far into my feminine. And, but that was, it's not like anything's too far. It's, it was all a part of my 
process to, to, to learn and to... You were getting to know that side. Yeah, I was, getting to, I was getting to know that side. And sometimes when you get to know another part of yourself, sometimes that can become too much. You know, you can... Um, I kind of really got to know it. And then there become a point where then I was trying... I, I was, and I'm still doing this, um, is to integrating both of those parts of myself, you know, keeping the, 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 the masculine side, which helps me go out there and create and move forward in the world. And then the feminine side of me, which is, allows me to be softer, to think of things in different ways, to open myself up to more possibilities and more options and to be more in relationship with myself and others. And um, that has been beautiful. So just, yeah, bringing those two pieces together and essentially for me, that's, that's been finding my, my true power. That, that my true power is in both of those energies integrated within myself. And yeah, it's still an ongoing process. And, and that's, what I, that's what I help men with. Um, because, yeah, I think we have been taught, especially in Western culture, that, you know, being in touch with some of these deeper aspects of ourselves is bad or it's wrong or it's weak. You know, or it's weak, yeah. Um, but, you know, you go drink medicine and you know, it's like there is nothing weak about getting in touch with you. Spend an hour and a half crying. Yes, but... <laughs> There, there's nothing weak about that. It's in fact, it's, it's, it can be incredibly challenging to do that. Um, it's almost like I see it almost as a weakness for me to avoid that. Mm. You know, like what, why am I, why am I avoiding these feelings? Why am I avoiding the, some of the relationships in my life? Why am I avoiding these softer aspects of myself? What, do I not have the strength to hold that too? Uh, there's some of the questions I ask myself. So or maybe the security, like the, yeah. the the personal, like, you know, feeling of security to be able to indulge some of the, you know, lesser uh, masculine, the less like hard, you know, like, like to allow yourself to be one with, with the softer aspects of the personality. Yeah. That's, have to feel secure in yourself as well. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It takes, it, it takes, a, it takes my own security and myself to be able to to be able to allow myself into that softness. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's my work. I help uh, men from a trauma-informed perspective. Um, so, you know, I also work with, you know, um, other psychotherapists and like we, you know, we, I recommend my clients to work with a multitude of people, whether that be plant medicine, breathwork facilitators, their own practices, um, or, you know, coming down here to different places to, to drink medicine and to, to basically go on their own journey. And I'm really just helping be a guide and a support for that. What, uh, what does your client list look like? Men from all over the world? Yeah. Are you doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one or group sessions or? Yeah, my practice is mostly one-on-one -on -one right now. Um, and yeah, mostly high-level men that have often, you know, been in, had highly successful businesses that might be entrepreneurs or lawyers or, um, yeah, kind of men that have, have really become successful from using the masculine energy, but realizing that got them up into a point and the real freedom that they're experiencing is from their own healing. And when we come back into that place and we heal ourselves, we create a whole new avenue of possibilities for our life and our relationships. And the place that we then create businesses from, like yourself with Saltara, it's it's so different. You know, the the work that we do 
then becomes vastly different. It can become way more fulfilling. You know, we're doing it from, you know, a place of, you know, internal power and internal love. And the things that we create or I create from that space are completely different. I'm doing it for a different reason. And life becomes just way, way more fulfilling, you know, and my relationships become healthier. Whereas once they were super toxic, you know, it's just, I was toxic, you know, that's, that's the truth. You know, I was abusing my power. I was, you know, just like lashing out on people or like just asserting aggression to control situations. Um, and that was because of my own wounds, you know, and, and I couldn't see that. Um, but from, you know, working with different coaches, working with medicine, um, working with therapists and, and really healing myself, like my life has become so much better, you know, and I just want to be able to, you know, help support other men in that same journey. Yeah, I, I guess those, uh, those traumas are tricky things, aren't they? They get really lodged in there and uh, they can really, really have an impact on your actions and how you behave and how you interact in the world and what your relationships look like and how, you know, how, what type of relationships you look for and how you act in those relationships. So then how did you get into the trauma coaching? Like, did you, did you take some courses or did you study? Yeah. Yeah. I studied with, um, they called the International Association of Trauma-Informed Coaching, bit of a mouthful. Um, and I also studied as a breathwork facilitator as well, which a lot of it, that's around trauma as well. Um, and that was guided from, again, a, a medicine journey. Not, not, not that I'm saying medicine's the panacea, but it's been such a useful ally and tool in my life to, to help guide me, really, you know? Um, and yeah, I, was, I had, a, I had a, another business which I'd set up in my mid to late 20s, which was in film and media. And we were working with lots of different personal development coaches as well as commercial projects and short films. Um, but there was, a, there was a point where I was actually then hiding myself from stepping into, yeah, I was, I was, I was using the, the camera as a way to hide out from my own life. Um, and the medicine just showed me that clearly. And it was like, all right, it's your time to, this is your next obstacle to overcome. And then I went on my, all my trainings and, started building my practice. So it's a relatively new venture for me, but it feels like it's been in the making for a long time. I've been doing this work for a long time. So it's a new chapter and it's, again, just bringing so much fulfillment. Like just seeing other men and other people transform is just deeply, deeply fulfilling. Yeah, mm -hmm. I could, yeah I'm like, I come off my calls and my clients, I'm just lit up, you know, just, uh, yeah, it's, it's really beautiful work. That's great, man. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Thank you. How is, how is your practice aside from writing? Yeah, I've been coaching for a long time now. Um, 2013 or 14, I started my business. And um, it was really through my own healing journey. I was an actress on a pretty big TV show in the UK. And um, like kind of went into that world of um, fame and celebrity at like age 18 and really struggled with an eating disorder the whole time, really struggled with the pressure of um, being on TV and, uh, you know, being recognized for things that felt really superficial. And I felt like this is not my, this is not what I wanted. This is not what I thought I signed up for. 
like when I was training as an actress, I, I really loved like, because I loved writing. I loved like Shakespeare and the classical Jane Austen and this kind of thing. And then I found myself on this TV show, which was kind of just like a, it, I mean, it's a good show, but it's like a, it's a, it's quite superficial. And I felt really empty. Like we were filming every day. I was like, you know, you know, had success at a very young age, had money, was being recognized. And I felt like this emptiness and it came out as this, like this really severe eating disorder. And so I didn't get into drugs, but like, you know, a lot of the people on the show were, were doing drugs, but I was like really abusing food and fitness. Um, and so I got into coaching through basically leaving that world, going on my own healing journey of healing my relationship with food, learning to really embody self-love and really figure out, wow, like I get so much more from helping someone else than I do um, being uh, an actress. And so I started this journey of coaching women on um, learning about food psychology and self-love and uh, deep healing and realized it was really a doorway for spiritual growth and healing our relationship with food is really about healing our relationship with ourself. And especially for women, I feel that so many women really like wage war on their bodies and really like turn their bodies into this like project or this kind of like thing that this enemy in this battlefield. And I was, I was doing the same. I was taking out all of my issues on my body and thinking if I lose another 10 pounds, or if I look like this supermodel, or if I, you know, make, if I fit into this dress size, then all my problems will go away. And really learned that that wasn't the case. It's just like, you know, when I make a million dollars, when I hit this I was just thinking thing. that exact yeah. same thing. It sounds like a, a lot of uh, people I know who think the same way about cash flow. Totally. <laughs> women do the same thing around their, around their bodies and their weight. And so this is what I started coaching women on and found it so, so deeply fulfilling. Um, and yeah, what I, when I wrote my second book, Hungry for More, the, the, the concept of that book is really that like when we are craving these like addictive um, vices, like for me, it was like food. Um, for others, it would be like alcohol, drugs. For others, it would be like sex. We think that we're hungry for these things, but actually it's a spiritual hunger that we're feeling. We're hungry for a deeper connection to our, to our own souls and to our, to our true selves. And so, um, yeah, then I, I found my, I found over the years, my coaching practice and my message has just evolved as I have, which I think is really, um, I feel really blessed to do that as, as having, as being someone that has a personal brand, as I evolve and change and become passionate about new topics, I'm able to take my clients and my audience on that journey with me. So when I decided to train, um, you know, I did my health coaching, my eating psychology training. Um, we're both just like forever students of life. We're constantly doing new trainings and certifications. But when I decided to do the sexuality, love and relationships, it was because really like I felt like it was just another, another level deeper. Um, I found that a lot of women that I worked with that have had issues with food and their bodies also struggle to connect with their sexuality they feel like that part of themselves has been repressed. And it's, it's, it's again, this, um, this disconnection to the feminine, this kind of turning the body into 
looking at the body as a very masculine, like a project, something to fix, something to control, something to have control and power over, to be really disciplined with, instead of this, um, really a friend and an ally and a temple. And I felt like women were, or, you know, I was, and the women that I worked with were missing this like deep divine connection to their body, to the goddess. And so healing sexuality and like reclaiming our own divinity around that became like a next natural step. And um, yeah, just as my business has evolved, now I'm finding that I'm getting a lot of um, entrepreneurial clients come to me. I'm about to launch a, a mastermind for um, coaches and entrepreneurs who are kind of like around that, um, around that like six figure mark and wanting to like stop the hustle and do things in a more feminine way and still grow and lead and rise up um, in their business and in their leadership. So do you find your clients of, uh, masculine and feminine or mostly female? I work just with women. Oh, you work just with I women. I work just with ah, women. Okay. Yeah. But it's women who have, um, usually done things in a very masculine way and are kind of hitting that crisis point where they're like, like, God, I've, I've done this. I've done this. I've, you know, I've been, I've, you know, you know, gone to the latest seminar and got these formulas for this, that, the other. And they've kind of been led into this kind of like hustle, hustle, hustle. And they're, they're burning out, you know, and they're wanting to do things in a different way. And also women that are really realizing that the more they do things in that way, the more their body suffers, the more their relationship suffers, the more their sex life goes down the pan because they're disconnected from that that feminine energy within themselves. And they're just doing things in this like way, which I have, you know, been there, like doing launches and, you know, just obsessing over business growth without prioritizing soul growth and like focusing on your energy and your body. So what, what are, um, you two both as, as kind of, online entrepreneurs you're kind of remote you can work from wherever you want you're here in costa rica now what uh in your experience has been the most uh important or like the what's the kind of for people who are listening who you know i know a lot of people who who are doing the same thing or starting the same thing so like um what are your secrets like what's like what do you what do you what's the main thing or couple things that you want to really hone in on when you're becoming a, a coach when you if you want to have something to share with people you want to become a coach or you want to start like kind of an online business what are the kind of things that someone should really dial in on mm. well something that has been a huge realization for me along my journey has been the more as an entrepreneur, especially as a coach who's like helping others, the more you do your inner work, the more your business will naturally grow and evolve. The more you invest in your own transformation, your own personal healing, your own spiritual healing, in the, the more you bring in your own teachers and mentors and guides, um, your business will naturally grow from there because it's a reflection of the inner work that you're doing. So in my first early years of business, I spent all of my energy focused on my business growth. 
Like, how can I, you know, reach more people? How can I grow my list? How can I grow my income? How can I increase my profit? And the last few years, the difference that I've, the difference, the different approach that I've had has been, how can I heal my own inner trauma? You know, how can I really clear out my own stuff so that I can get out of my own way and rise into a higher level of leadership? So it's a completely different approach, but it's meant that my business has naturally grown without me like obsessing over numbers. Um, And so that for me has been really huge. I've also invested in myself this year more than any other year. Um, And I think I probably didn't do that at the start because I was a little more, um, I don't know, a little more afraid of like, what if I don't make it back? Or what if I like spend all my money and don't see the results? And this year I've just like, no, I deserve the best teachers, the best coaches, the best guides, and I will spend what it takes. And it, it's it been so worth it. So yeah, those, those are the things for me that I would say have made the, the biggest difference is to not focus on, you know, how to, you know, grow your funnel and automate your systems and all this kind of stuff that we think is the answer, but really do your own inner work. And that works exactly the same way for just even growing and uh like a, a social media following and mm-hmm. and just you generally being someone that people want to follow and learn from yeah yeah like focus on who you are being instead of like all the different things that you have to do for mm. sure and and just share that like one of the messages that the medicine gave me this this week at Saltara about my like a part of my purpose was share like your job is to share with others the way that you see the world the way that you see the universe and all the intricacies and you know your way of seeing the world people need to see that viewpoint people need that perspective and so you know I think our gift with with social media um, in being so connected online is we get to do that. We get to share, we get to show up and share, like, these are my breakthroughs. These are my realizations so that other people can, can experience that through, through us. So I think it's really important that we, uh, you know, I, I'm doing my own inner work for me, but I'm also like really passionate about like being open with my journey and my experience and the tools that I'm learning so that other people can get a slice of that, that and learn through me your authenticity right Mm. i think it's like uh i mimic like i would say everything that mel said also mimics my experience but just from like a business perspective as you were sharing that it's almost like if you're trying to go out there and recreate someone else's product if it's like a physical product um or if you're a coach like you are the product um if you go try and mimic someone else's experience and it isn't authentically yours generally that product in the marketplace doesn't do very well or it doesn't do as well as the company or product that has done it from a truly authentic and passionate place. And I think the same applies to, to this, to us. And that's why I think when, you're, when you are a personal brand or you've got a podcast or you're a coach or anything where it's about you, people are going to feel where, where you are as a product. <laughs> and it's not about being perfect. You know, sometimes... It's just about, you know, and like product terms, like the MVP. It's like, it's about trying to be perfect, right? Like it's, it's about being honest and authentic with where you are, but striving for excellence and, and almost like 
taking people along with you on that journey. Would that be fair to say? Definitely. Yeah, that's, that's really fair to say. Um, and sometimes that might just be like the, the minimal viable product. You might have just done a bit of healing. You might be in a good place and you can help those people behind you. But of course, like you, you know, you're, you're creating to, to head somewhere. Like you have an idea of where it is that you want to go. And one of the things that I really focus on is focusing on like how I want to feel, you know, in, in my purpose in my life. Like what are the primary emotions that I want to experience in my work? And I think everyone has unique versions of those. But the, the challenge and the problem can be if you haven't gone on your own healing journey, you might not be in touch with your body. You might not actually be in touch with your emotions. And if you can't be in touch with your negative emotions, then you can't be in touch with the positive emotions as well. Like you're kind of creating already from not your most authentic place. So by getting in touch with those deeper aspects and elements of ourselves, we really begin to feel our experience. And then from that place, we can then kind of sail and navigate towards how we want to feel. And naturally, that will kind of lead us in the right direction. The right people will show up. And if the wrong people show up, you'll be like, that's eh, not how I want to, that, that doesn't align with me. But if you don't know what alignment is, you can't then sense out in the world what's coming at you if it isn't or isn't in alignment. So really, the, the healing piece of it is, is being so key and crucial. And like my my coaching practice, like I didn't even have, I, I don't have a full website set up, just being fully honest now, but I have more clients than I need. And like, that's been, it's just like so funny. Like we think we need all these things. We think we need a website. We think we need this. We think we need that. But if you're sharing and people can feel there's truth in what you're saying and they can sense what you're saying resonates with them, then there's always going to be people out there that you can help. Mm. Um, yeah. And we, we live this work, you know, we have just spent years being students of the work. So we're, we're teachers, but we're also constantly learning, you know, we're always buying courses and doing certifications and, you know, signing up to different retreats. And we're, we're reading all the time. We're listening to podcasts all the time. We're recording podcasts all the time. Like we live it. So we live and breathe it. So it's only natural that we then share that. Um, and I think it's really important for anyone on this path that you are, you're not claiming to have all the answers, you know, you should be constantly learning. You're like an adventurer on, uh, on an exploration, on a journey somewhere. And it's like, you're taking people along for the ride. hundred percent. And, and different people resonate with different people that are doing that. You know, I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea, neither right. are you. And but it's it's cool when you connect with someone online that's you know further ahead on you uh, than you on your journey that you can um, that you can follow and that you can sure. listen to, you know. And we hope, like I hope for sure, that there are women that follow me that are maybe a little bit scared to take plant medicine um, or you know do the do some of the things that we do, or maybe a little scared to like do something big like move to Costa Rica or start an online business, and and they follow me and go well she's quite similar to me. So if she can do it, that means that I can do it. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? I've, I, I can't explain the amount of value I've gotten from content, from, from YouTube, from podcasts, from people who are just doing what I want to be doing and then being able to just absorb from them, just learn everything. Right. And, and they might even still be going on their journey. They're just like, a little bit further ahead, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm actually really happy to be 
kind of starting this this journey as well. Um, you guys want to finish up on Costa Rica and talk about a little, you know, the expat life and how that's going, why you came to Costa Rica, where you're living here, how are things going? Have you seen much of the country? Yeah, Costa Rica, it's, uh, it's been like when we got here, there's like, we've traveled a lot around the world. Um, and you know, through business, we've been fortunate enough to be able to do that. And, but there's just something about the Costa Rican land here. And it's really hard to explain when you fall in love with a place, but there's something, yeah, there's something about it here that just lands for us both. And I think that on a practical level really comes down to like how much the people care about the environment here, how much like they're not just building skyscrapers and hotels everywhere. They're like, it's, it's, yeah, it's like the, the, this slogan here is Pura Vida. Mm-hmm. And that feels so true. Uh, it really feels like they embody that mantra, you know, and the country I'm from, England, the, the mantra there is keep calm and carry on. <laughs> essentially, you know, repress how you're feeling and get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, it's vastly different from, from the culture I'm used to, but it's, yeah, there's like the houses, the people here are amazing. The, the, the land here is amazing. You, you can have the opportunity to, you know, grow all your own food here. Lots of people are doing that, building community. Mm-hmm. There's obviously a big plant medicine community here. Lots of people on the healing journey. And yeah. that just resonates for, for what we mm-hmm. want for our life and for our future as well. Yeah, yeah, I would echo that. We've, we've moved, we've been here for almost like three or four months, I would say so far. We've mm. been in Tamarindo in this beautiful, um, beautiful villa. Um, that's where you're staying now that's where you live at the moment yeah yeah. well we want to move around a bit before we decide where we want to buy and we want to buy land or build or find something more permanent but we want to explore different parts of Costa Rica first to see where that is so we've done three or four months in Tamarindo then we're moving to Santa Teresa for at least four months to see how we like it there so we're there until at least end of April, but maybe longer. We want to check out Dominical and Diamante Valley as well. We've heard some great, great things about that part of the land. And yeah, just see like where we feel called to stay long term. But we definitely see ourselves here long term. You're looking for yeah. waves, I take it? No, we, th- we don't actually we don't actually surf. You don't surf? I've, d- I've maybe surfed yeah. like 10 times. There's lots of other sports that I do. Um, yeah, we... We, I mean, we'd like to get more into surfing, but it's definitely not like our. Thing. You don't live for the. You don't no. live for the surf. Um, what kind of things are you looking to get out of the lifestyle here? Like, are you looking to have a plot of land to grow food? Are you looking to live on the beach and have a little villa, or, um, you know, looking for community? Yeah, yeah I mean, first, community is important, so we definitely want to be you know, close to people that are similar to us with the same values, you know, um, probably, probably looking for somewhere near to the beach, somewhere with a great view, somewhere that we can grow food. Um, but yeah, I think community, cause where, where we are at the moment, we have felt quite isolated. Like we're kind of in our own little spot and there's not, we've not really felt that like sense of community mm. and we really notice when we don't have that. Like when we were in London, we didn't really have that. We had that when we lived in Bali for sure. Um, but yeah, we've not found that we've not found that yet. So we're thinking Santa Teresa will be good for that. Santa Teresa. 
Maybe, maybe you might, you might be a little surprised there. Have you been there yet? We've just spent a weekend there. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely community. I, I find it to be a little bit chaotic for my liking. And like, if I was going to live somewhere, you know, that one street is like 15 kilometers long, full of potholes. There's people coming and going everywhere. We were just there last weekend, myself and my girlfriend. Um, I like it there. Um, to live, I'm sure there are really nice places around there. and And I think you've got like quite a few amenities there there's really nice restaurants the bakery we we ate at uh i can't recall the restaurant's name but it was a new one and it was so delicious um another thought that came to mind for you two might be a place like nosara Mm -hmm. where it's like it's beautiful it's kind of a forward thinking there's like a a couple of other retreat centers there, yoga and medicine center there. Um, it's a lot more chill. Like you don't have kind of like the the real kind of seedy, like overcrowded kind of backpacker vibe there. And like all the, the tourism, the tourism chaos that comes along with a lot of tourists, but it's a really beautiful spot. Um, there's probably some nice, uh, nice land in there. Uh, summer is also a nice place. A nice spot, and of course, like going down to Dominical Nuvita is mm. incredible. Yeah, Manuel Antonio, super beautiful. Yeah, we've heard, we've heard that. We're definitely going to check those parts out, aren't we? Yeah. Would you say there's like a community vibe in Dominical, or not so much? Yeah, I would say so. Um, there's a lot of like foreigners that live there. I, I don't know how much of a fan. Like, you know, I don't really like going to a restaurant and like seeing a bunch of like white people. <laughs> it's like not nothing against white people, but I like a little more of a local flair. You know, like I like I like to interact with the locals. So sometimes when I go down to Dominical, I, I find like a lot of foreigners there, a lot of expats. Uh, if if that's the kind of vibe that resonates, then that's a great place to go. Uh, I speak Spanish and like I've lived in South and Latin America for like a decade. So like, I'm like, I'm like one of the locals, you know what I mean? I like something (laughs) chill. I actually love this community here, right where we are. Um, It, you know, there's not a lot of people that live around here. It's more of a rural community. It's not like, you know, it's not a surf community, but it feels like a community. Like I feel like, you know, there's a few restaurants, you go there, you know, everybody, it's not, uh, like there's not a whole lot of kind of, uh, expat traffic, but there's enough so that you have people to talk to and from different interesting parts of the world. And there are some other kind of business owners in the area, um, that I've become really good friends with over the past few years. So I really feel like this is community here for me, but if I was going to go live in a different place I would probably pick one of the one of the places I mentioned that was like a little on the smaller community side rather than something really big like Tamarindo or like Santa Teresa but really I mean it's up to you you just go and check out the places you got all the time in the world seems like you've you're pretty free in terms of you know your own schedule and your your ability to do what you want so that's pretty that's pretty amazing. Have you guys traveled uh, many other countries? Yeah, quite a few. Um, 
not like when we've traveled, we've normally gone to one place and stayed there for a good chunk of time. So we lived in Bali for a few years. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, We lived in, we spent a good amount of time in the States, Mm -hmm. um, Hawaii, uh, spent some time in France, um, Canada. um, Mexico. Mexico. Yeah, we spent a good chunk of time in Mexico, (laughs) kind of by accident. (laughs) But we definitely Uh, feel like we're here to stay. Yeah, yeah, we really do. And I think... COVID really, just to bring it into the, the, the present and like why we're doing this is COVID really kind of um, highlighted how disconnected I was from nature when all of the food supply, I realized I was like, wow, like if I need to go, like if, if I need food and it gets taken out of my control because some system failed, I was like, like, what do I do? I was like, I'm so disconnected from my own food supply. So that was also, that's also one of the motivating factors. Like I want to be able to either grow my own food, have the ability to do it or mm. have the relationships with the communities around me where they're able to do it or we can resource it together. And also just hunting. Like I, I've recently learned to spearfish, still learning to spearfish. And I want to be able to, to have that, not necessarily for every meal, but just to be connected to my food, to, to know that I can, I can go out there and I can, I can kind of have that, um, relationship to it versus just buying it off a mm. shelf and you know buying it from someone that I don't even know um so that's really that's become really important to me during this time and give me the motivation to yeah to that's do it. that's a really I find a really positive element of living in Costa Rica you know like for example even just using this little area as an example I mean we've got melon farms up the road everywhere you go there are you know free-range cattle and you know, chickens and vegetables and all of our produce comes right from the local area. So it feels like it's a pretty stable supply. Um, I've also, I mean, in, in, in contrast to like somewhere like England, where everything comes in on boats mostly, right? Like, like when, when the system fails, it's, it's rough, right? But at least here, um, you know, all else fails, you could go down the street and grab a grab a cow (laughs) um, but yeah I've also heard that hunting is really like hunting uh, is is really gratifying in terms of you know connecting with nature and and developing that relationship with your food Mm. so uh, no hunting in Costa Rica though only fishing only fishing yeah Yeah, yeah. no hunting here but Mm. that's all right um cool well look man i really enjoyed this conversation thank you guys so much for for coming over um especially right after a retreat you know you probably have a million things you want to be doing right now um but yeah uh thank you so much what uh what do you guys want to say in terms of send off for the audience you want to reference your books one more time your social media pages your how do people get in touch with you and all that good stuff yeah and and just just to thank you thank you for the work you've done with the center you know you've dedicated a huge chunk of your life to creating a a space that is that is of great benefit to so many people so thank you for Thank you for all the work you're doing. Yeah, and thank and you my for pleasure. inviting us, inviting thank you us for down welcoming here for the us yes. to the center. It's been such an incredible week, and I recommend anyone listening to come and spend a week at Saltara. It's so magical. Yeah, really powerful. So thank you. And yeah, in terms of us, we're on social media on Instagram. 
Uh, I'm at I am Mal Wells, and you're at I am Rick William. <laughs> and um, yeah, like I have a podcast called Love, Sex, and Magic, which uh, we uh, release an episode every week. And I would say just for for anyone that's listening who is, you know, on that healing journey, on that entrepreneurial journey, um, to just like, yeah, keep going, stay focused on um, your inner work and and just share it. And that's that's really all you need to do. Great advice, man. Thank you. Great. The Daniel Cleland Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for the Daniel Cleveland podcast. We truly enjoy you sharing your time with us. If you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed sharing it with you, please like the episode, review the podcast, subscribe. If you're not already subscribed, these likes and reviews and subscriptions are the lifeblood of our show. So free for you, super important for us. Like, subscribe, and review. Thank you so much. Of course, this podcast would not be possible without the continued amazing sponsorship of Soltara Healing Center in Costa Rica. If you feel called to work with plant medicines, ayahuasca, shamanismo, curanderismo from Peru, from the Peruvian Amazons to Costa Rica, check out Soltara Healing Center at soltara.co or conveniently 1-800-397-1730 or look us up on social media at Soltara Healing Center. All kinds of great content nonstop coming out down the pike every day just for you. Thanks Again, so much for joining. I appreciate it beyond words, and I look forward to doing many more of these episodes for you and connecting. If you want to reach out to me, there's a contact form on my website, danielcleland.com. Feel free to hit me up. I read every email and try to respond to all of them. Thanks again. Much love to you. And I hope we get to catch up soon. All the best.